You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so doesn't cost you a single cent and ensures you never miss another episode. Before we get started on tonight's exciting episode, I thought you should hear about a really cool brand new podcast that we're launching here at the Locked On Podcast Network, one that'll help you get hockey smart. The Crosscheck Podcast, hosted by Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark, goes deeper into NHL stories than any other podcast with the help of the smartest minds on ice. Follow the Crosscheck Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And speaking of talking about top-level NHL stories and whatnot, we do have a very interesting episode on tonight's show. The first thing I wanted to cover was an interesting story between the Capitals and the Rangers involving Tom Wilson and an incident that took place last night in which Wilson basically assaulted Pavel Buchnevich and the rather dramatic fallout that has emerged out of that incident involving the Department of Player Safety, the New York Rangers, and honestly Tom Wilson himself. After that, I thought it might be time to start talking about NHL awards for the Winnipeg Jets, and specifically team-based awards on who I think deserves stuff for, like, I don't know, most improved player, biggest surprise, MVP, yada, yada, yada. You, you get the story. You know what we're talking about here. We've done these awards before, specifically last year. And I think even though we're, you know, almost to the end of the season, maybe got a couple of games left, I think it's probably a fair enough assessment to give a final award for some of our our top players and maybe some of the guys who have come a long way in terms of their development or at least recovering form from where they were a few seasons ago. But first, let's take a look at Tom Wilson versus the NHL. So Wilson yesterday had a weird incident. I don't exactly know what set him off, but he was very irritated and actually went after Pavel Buchnevich who allegedly kicked the Caps goalie that was in the net on his stomach or whatever during a whole scrum or something in the crease, which I I didn't really see from the footage. I only saw Buchnevich in the crease, but I didn't see any sort of kicking motion or anything that would sort of trigger a response from one of, you know, Washington's players. So what Wilson seemed to do was almost unprovoked. He grabbed Buchnevich, who had lost his helmet, dropped him to the ice, and then actually punched him in the back of the head or the neck or something like that. It was a little hard to tell from the footage, but that's that's what appeared to happen. And then, of course, Artemi Panarin was trying to defend his teammate, jumped on uh, jumped on Wilson's back, and initiated like a whole tussle between Washington and the Rangers, which, you know, if you watch the footage, it was pretty chaotic. Even the goalie, who I think was Vitek Vanacek for the Caps, was actually involved in the whole scrum. So a lot of action, a lot of chaos, um, quite a bit of on-ice violence, not something that you want to see. And then Panarin actually got dropped himself. Uh, It looked like Wilson grabbed him and basically dropped him to the ice pretty quickly and evidently did enough damage to actually end Panarin's season. And it's not like there are that many games left, but to inflict that sort of physical danger and, and violence on another player, especially in a scrum like that, not a great look. And of course, I think a lot of people will say, well, Wilson was defending himself against Panarin, which, fine, whatever. But I think by the same token, you know, Wilson was already the instigator in the entire situation by attacking Pavel Buchnevich when he was down. Many wrongs do not make a right. So, uh, you know, Wilson at the core of it, he was at the center of this entire scrum and he was the reason that any of it really exploded like it did. 
Fast forward to this morning, and the NHL only had a little bit of disciplinary action. They gave Wilson a maximum $5,000 fine and no suspension. I mean, I'm not really sure if anyone is all that surprised because Wilson just keeps getting breaks from the league. Even when he gets significant suspensions, it's not like it seems to be all that long. He typically gets a few games here and there, but nothing more severe than that, so I wasn't really sure if we should expect an actual suspension, and uh, we didn't get one. And so that ended up leading to the New York Rangers releasing a statement just a little bit ago about the, the Department of Player Safety for the NHL not doing its job, and very specifically they named George Paros as the guy they feel is unfit for duty for his job, which I've never really seen an NHL team release a statement like this. It's It's actually kind of funny in a lot of ways because... The Rangers of all teams tend to be one of the most delayed in terms of reactions and stuff. When the George Floyd protests broke out, the Rangers ended up being like the last team to actually have any sort of statement that was against racism. So it was kind of funny that they had a much you know stronger worded response about the Department of Player Safety and about George Paros than they did about anything else that was certainly a hot button topic at the time. As far as what the actual statement says and what it really reflects about how the league views um, the Department of Player Safety, how teams view it, I I sort of imagine this to be a very funny scenario where what the Rangers said is probably how a lot of NHL teams actually feel about Paros and Ops, but something that they don't really want to vocalize or put into writing because, again, you know, going against the league is not really an easy task. Most teams are too scared to do it. And so we often find ourselves dealing with very milquetoast responses or, you know, lots of rumors and whispers rather than the team making an outright statement, which, I don't know, it's just really funny that the the Rangers actually said something. You know, that they chose this to be the moment that they actually used their account for some sort of loud vocal messaging is probably the funniest outcome of all of it. But hey, it is what it is. Hard to argue with their message either. I mean, Dops has historically not done a very good job. That's it. I find the whole situation kind of comical in a lot of ways. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the, the league really needs to examine how it handles situations like this. Ignoring the Rangers' historical precedents for not doing anything about other issues and all that. What they're not incorrect about is the fact that the Department of Player Safety doesn't really live up to its name, and it's been a a continuing issue for years. You know, Tom Wilson is a repeat offender, but because of the CBA and the Players Union, uh, the union that represents the guys that Wilson actually takes out, um, Wilson still continues to play in the league and doesn't really face many punishments. It's a bit of a one-man band with all of the instruments seemingly at odds with one another. Not that one-man band music is particularly appealing, mind you, but you get the idea. This won't be the incident that instigates any sort of change, but I do think, at least in in some ways, maybe the Rangers saying something now starts a little bit of an introspective look for a lot of the teams out there that are probably a little bit pissed with how this stuff is handled because a lot of dirty hits happen year in and year out, and Wilson's no exception. He just happens to be among the more frequent offenders of this sort of behavior, but he's certainly not alone in it. Surprisingly, you know, with all the Wilson stuff going on, there was one very interesting story that seemingly slipped a lot of headlines. But for Jets fans, you're going to want to pay attention to this one. We'll talk about it in just a moment. But of course, Mother's Day is coming up, and I did want to give you a little bit of a heads up about something that I thought a lot of folks might be interested in, especially those shopping for a gift, and that's 1010 by Blue Nile. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative design styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Ring sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring. Ideal for engagements, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece, they're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10 This collection features high-quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight, and it's fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. 
I checked these out and I'm blown away by the beautiful, simple ring from Lola Fenhurst. It's subtle, understated, and brilliant. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this one out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10x10 only at BlueNile.com. Again, that's 10x10 at BlueNile.com. Stonks, memes, rocket ships, to the moon, what does any of this mean? What's day trading? It's a lot of fun, even if you're not really familiar with any of it, but if you're actually serious about growing your long-term wealth and want to make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. There's no manual trading, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you can control. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. All you need is $500 to get started so you can grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash LockedOnNHL to start growing your savings. Go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL and get started today. Your rocket to the moon can't get there without some fuel, so get started today and create your account at Wealthfront.com. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. Earlier we were discussing the Tom Wilson debacle and all of the drama that has unfolded out of that whole situation. It did occur to me that while we were discussing that, there was another piece of news that seemingly flew under the radar for most folks unless you're in fact a Jets fan. And even then you might not have seen it because it was on Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts, which I don't always read but some folks do, and they spotlighted a particular line about the Winnipeg Jets. This very short, like, two-paragraph discussion involved a rift between Paul Maurice and Kevin Shevodayoff, which I've talked about on this podcast as being something that I think a lot of people knew did exist. It's been very public over the past couple of weeks, especially in the handling of guys like Billy Heinola and some of the roster deployments and moves. I mean, heck, I think Sean Reynolds actually straight up asked Paul Maurice about it, and Maurice didn't really react all that kindly to that question. In fact, you could kind of tell that he was pretty irritated by it, because... It is a bit of a prying question, especially into like a coaching, management, uh, personal relationship, and dynamic. So I can understand why Maurice wouldn't really want to answer that. But by the same token, the rift is becoming increasingly public, and I think it's it's getting to the point where if the mainstream media is starting to discuss it, it's because the lid's starting to come off on the situation. I think it's very clear that the way Maurice is doing things isn't really producing results the way the Jets need to be, and it's something that Winnipeg has struggled with over the past several seasons. You know, ever since 2017-2018, Winnipeg has definitely fallen well short of expectations. And then you look at the, the sorts of trade acquisitions and stuff that Kevin Shoveldayoff has done to try and give Maurice support. You know, he brings in Kevin Hayes for like a first round pick, and, and Hayes basically gets stapled to the fourth line. So I think in many ways, Shovel Day Off is kind of like, well, my hands are sort of tied now. You compare that with this season when Chevy does bring in Jordy Ben for like a sixth round pick and that's about it. And you get the sense that, well, Chevy's not really interested in spending a lot of assets for a rental that he doesn't really think is going to get a whole lot of ice time. He brought in Dylan DeMello for what, like a second or a third round pick and then extends him for three to four seasons. And what does Paul Maurice do with his basically second or so best defender? He gives him like third pairing number 60 ice time. If I'm Chevy, I'd be pretty pissed about that, to be honest. I would be thinking to myself, why is somebody like Tucker Pullman on the first pairing when somebody like Dylan DeMello has easily gotten better results alongside a guy like Josh Morrissey? Anyone with functioning eyes and a functioning brain can watch the Morrissey-Pullman pairing and see that it just does not work, especially given top pairing minutes. Pullman's just weighing over his head. If you give Tucker, like, third pairing minutes, he's a lot more stable. 
Logan Stanley Tucker Pullman, not the worst pairing in the world. It actually seemingly handled third pairing minutes pretty decently. Morrissey DeMello actually was a functional first pairing. Like, it's not an amazing first pairing, mind you. Both those guys are still going to have issues. Uh, Morrissey way more than DeMello. You know, Dylan probably has to do a lot of cleaning up for Josh in various scenarios, but compared to watching the nuclear disaster that is Morrissey Pullman, it's much more palatable and certainly something that I think, you know, Chevy was probably expecting to see, especially at the beginning of the season and even now. So it's probably very frustrating to him that he sees this team continually using pairings and, and lineup deployments that don't really align to the way this team should be playing. So I would imagine that the rift between them is starting to grow even starker, and, and certainly it seems like Maurice wants to have his way. And guess what? That way is leading to a seven-game losing streak. We can sit here and go back and forth about poor puck luck and all this crap, but the truth is the Jets have kind of been playing very bad hockey for like three or four years now. Ever since that magical season, the Jets have been the furthest from that team that they've ever been. Last year, the Jets were kind of like a straight-up lotto team at various points throughout the season, so it's not like the Jets have really moved all that much from, from being a poor team. A lot of the same system and structural issues that existed last year still exist this season, and in fact, some of the things are probably worse in certain areas, even though some things have improved. I think Paul Stastny said it best when he described there being cheat in just about everyone's game. It's because the Jets have been getting away with a lot more than they should be. Stastny straight up singled out Connor Hellebuck as one of the reasons that their record even looks like it does. And mind you, that record actually looks pretty good given the circumstances. Right now, it's a lot less great because of the seven-game losing streak, but prior to that, the Jets look like they were cruising to second place in the North. This is like the second or third player that's pointed out things are not really working the way they should in Winnipeg, which, you know, basically involves the coaching staff in many respects. Stastny didn't call out Maurice in this one, but it sort of felt like a bit of a veiled shot. You know, he said, I've been in this league long enough to know when you're cheating and when you're getting away with really poor play, and he said, to be honest, it's been inexcusable how bad defensively they've been. If that's the case, and that's how the players are starting to feel, then they are, in fact, probably turning on Maurice, and it's it's not shocking that maybe these stories and stuff that traditionally don't come out of Winnipeg are increasingly starting to trickle out because maybe a coaching change is, is very much on the horizon. You know, Maurice is mired in a losing streak. He hasn't gotten very many high-end winning results, certainly not advancing all that far in the playoffs beyond 2017-2018, and the rest of Winnipeg's playoff appearances have been very short. There is a team out there that could probably use Maurice, especially teams that have very limited talent, but this is not that team. The Jets have a lot of scoring ability, a lot of offensive prowess, and the way that they play right now, it's very disorganized and doesn't really take advantage of this roster's strengths. I don't know if they make a coaching change between now and the end of the season or even the end of the playoffs, but... But, you know, I get the sense Winnipeg is probably believing a change is somewhere on the horizon and maybe they're starting to be more public about it. I'd be curious to know your thoughts on this one, so be sure to let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. That gets some of the unpleasantries out of the way. Up next, we'll talk about some player season awards for the Jets because there are some positive stories and things that I think do deserve to be spotlighted. But before then, I thought you should hear about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. This week has tons of sports action on the go as the NFL Draft is on and the Kentucky Derby is back with the first leg of the Triple Crown. BetOnline is the source for all the news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, horse racing, UFC, MMA, international soccer, and so many other wonderful sports. It's all the information you need in one spot. Before that next pitch, face-off, or goal, go to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up for bonuses, and enter a few contests. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today while all your favorite teams prep for their playoff runs. 
Register for a free account at betonline.ag, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON at registration for a matched 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. When it comes to buying auto parts, it's always hard to find the exact place that has everything you need, is convenient, and has the best prices in the market. Even if you know what you're looking for, you may not know the best prices to be paying, and who knows if your local shop even has what you need in stock. If you're tired of wasting time and money, look no further than rockauto.com. Their easy-to-use intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle, and then set a price range filter so you always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you need a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, rockauto.com is sure to have what you need in stock. Best of all, you could save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing, so why shop anywhere else? RockAuto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. They're trusted, reliable, and their catalog is always sure to have what you need in stock. All customers always pay the same prices, and there's never a membership fee. Ordering with RockAuto.com couldn't be easier. When you place your order, be sure to write locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com today and tell them Locked On sent you. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are ending this episode off with a couple of end-of-season awards for a few players, highlighting some of their personal achievements throughout the year and some stuff that I think personally deserves a spotlight for, for how good some of these guys have been, even if the rest of the team hasn't been, on the whole, all that great. I won't get to all of the awards tonight. We'll have a couple of those on a future episode later this week. But let's start off with biggest bounce-back season, and that award goes to Matthew Perot. Perot, I think for a lot of folks, has been a guy that's a very veteran player, very smart, very savvy, very gifted in possession. He's got a craftiness that's very much a feature that you don't find with many players of his ilk. You know, he's somebody who understands space at an intimate level. He's great at finding really soft shooting and passing lanes in defensive coverages. And he does it in very limited minutes, and the fact that he can actually do it just as well when he's actually given skilled line mates is equally impressive. You know, he's definitely on the wrong side of 30, and I think a lot of what people were expecting was, well, Perot was probably kind of done. I thought he was probably nearing the end of his career too, because to be honest, he'd been suffering so many injuries and his performance over the last few years had really fallen off, which was for me very hard to take because Perot is personally one of my favorite players. He's probably the best free agent Winnipeg has ever signed. He's been a guy that I really feel this team has relied on on so many occasions. He does it all with a smile. And he has this competitive feistiness and physical edge to his game that I think really goes under the radar. But he's also an incredibly smart player, and when he finally gets into those really dangerous scoring areas or starts to create offense around the net, that's when you start to see just how special he truly is. He's good enough that he could probably make like a pet rock with skates actually look like, you know, Sidney Crosby or something, because he's just so gifted and he can elevate the play of his entire line. When he finally does hang up the skates, it's going to hurt a lot because I feel like Perot for me was the guy that this team turned to whenever they needed somebody to really juice up a line and give them that extra layer of skill and tenacity. If this is the last that we see of Perot as a Jet, it's been a wonderful ride throughout most of his career and I hope that he finds happiness wherever he goes next. The last award we'll cover tonight is probably one that's not going to be super shocking. If you followed my Twitter, you know that I'm personally a big fan of this player. At first, it was kind of ironic, like, you know, I, I thought it was a little bit jokey and maybe a little bit meme but over the, the course of the season, the biggest surprise for me has been Neil Pionk. I know that Pionk was expected to be a top four anchor for this team, but just how good he's been has been very surprising. Neil's kind of knocking on the door of like a a fringe first pairing guy, which is something that if you told me that a few years ago, I would never have imagined that to be like a potential outcome. 
I thought at best Pionk would top out as like a number four or maybe even like a, a lower end number three, but the fact that he might actually be able to handle first pairing minutes in a certain sheltered role if you give him like the right pairing guy like a, a DeMello or something, I don't really know if you could imagine a better scenario for a guy who frankly a few years ago with the Rangers looked like he'd never been a defenseman before. You know, when he was playing there with Mark Stahl, it was a bit of a disaster, he had no structure to his game, and for all of the faults that I do find with the Winnipeg Jets coaching staff, I will say that the fact that they've gotten Pionk turned into an actually pretty good top four defender is actually a very impressive feat. But I think a lot of that is just a testament to how much work Pionk has put in, and certainly he constantly leaves everything he has out on the ice. He's somebody who I never really see taking a shift off, and even when he makes a mistake, he does own it. And he certainly seems like the kind of guy that, if you were to give him some sort of a letter down the road, I really feel like it would be appropriate. He's a natural leader on the ice, and whether he vocalizes it or not, he feels like somebody that I would just love to see wearing an A. He lets his actions speak for him, he plays with so much energy, pace, and at times ferocity, and he's not afraid to throw himself into every single play. Sometimes that's not always for the best, and, and certainly some of the outcomes of his plays are not ideal, but for somebody with a nearly tireless work ethic and a fiery engine, I really feel like Pionk embodies what I enjoy watching about players who have worked very hard to get back to where they should be, or in Pionk's case, really improved from a foundation of skill sets while the rest of his product was pretty poor, he's really turned himself around into like a top four defender. And I honestly hope that he becomes a Jet for a good long while. I feel like if they can get him under a contract that makes sense, like five and a half million for four to five years, that'd be fantastic. He's been my biggest surprise this year, and I'm so happy that he's progressed into this kind of top end player who the Jets can rely on, because to be honest, they don't have many D like him who can actually carry the puck, be an offensive threat, and actually be functional inside his own defensive zone. Maybe you think Pionk's ascendance isn't actually that surprising, it's something that you expected, which I'm going to call you a liar, but you know, it is what it is. If you think there's been a player who's been more surprising in the positive way, not the bad way, then let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets, and I will talk about it on our next awards podcast. For tonight's show, though, that is going to do it. Before you sign off for the night, don't forget to check out the Locked Into Day podcast. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked Into Day podcast. Host Pete Burkowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked Into Day podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.